2: And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm so grateful for this time with you each week as we look more closely at the call of each Christian to share the beauty and the hope of the gospel to the world around us. My guest this week, Leonardo DiFilippis, shares with us his own journey to discovering and responding to this call from God. Our interview is just a little longer, so we're going to go ahead and dive in, and I'll close with a brief word after our conversation. I'm joined by Leonardo DiFilippis, who serves as the president of St. Luke Productions. He and his wife, Patty, live in Washington State, and they have seven children. Leonardo, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today?
0: Oh, very good. Thank you so much for, for bringing me on to the program.
2: Oh, for sure. I know your voice will be very familiar to a number of our listeners since you're a, a regular presence on Mato Radio. So I'm just grateful for the chance to have this conversation so we can learn more about your own story and how you've responded to God's call to share the gospel and the love of Christ. So, Leonardo, just starting a bit with your own story, um, where did you grow up and was the faith, was that something that was already in your environment growing up and were there sort of some turning points in your walk of faith?
0: Well, yeah, well, let's start from the beginning. I was born and initially raised in St. Helena, California, which is the famous, uh, it's in Napa Valley, for those who don't know where Napa Valley is, it's the famous, the, more, the most famous wine um, country in the, or established in the United States in California, Northern California above San Francisco. So I always grew up in this little town, probably about a thousand people, mm-hmm. just very, very, just very Not far from there is a little town called Rutherford, which at that time maybe had about 100 people where my dad is from. And, of course, it's all grown now and become much more commercialized. But it was a it was a uh, even then it was still people came to the wineries and visited and all that. But it was not the Hollywood and international um phenomenon that it is today. That's where mm-hmm. politicians go, all the superstars in Hollywood and athletes and everything go today. Yeah. Uh, but there's somebody's still going to make the wine. So I so I grew up there. Uh, mm-hmm. I did grow up in a Catholic family. We have my dad's side is Catholic. My my mom is a convert. Uh, so but but on my father's side, you know, my grandmother of course you're typical, you got an Italian grandmother's very faithful. Uh, but then we still have the, the whole sense of, because uh, my grandfather, they're both from Europe, uh, we're Swiss Italians, uh, just north on the northern border near Lake Como, uh, in that area. It's called the Canton of Ticino, uh, we're Ticineze. But the thing is, there's lots in Europe, as it happens, is in, be in France and Germany and Italy, a lot of anti-clericalism, a lot of, you know, the, uh, uh, churches for women, and uh, and they can pray for the men if they want, <laughs> as far as they're concerned. Yeah. But so we kind of grew up in that. There's a little bit of a tension there. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I did grow up with the faith. The lucky thing was that uh, we had Irish missionary priests and eventually Irish uh, nuns, missionary nuns who came over to California. A lot of the, it's amazing what the Irish did and say so they really brought the faith after the Spanish, of course, in California, established the faith. Uh, initially, uh, you know, centuries ago. So it was because of those priests and because of those nuns. They my my parents put me in those in those schools, in Catholic schools, and they were very faithful nuns. And so we had good formation that way. And then you know, parents back then they would support the nuns to say, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that. So there was that prayer life, you know, in terms of uh, the rosary and things of that nature. So. It was a good, healthy environment. I had a lot of kids and a lot of cousins and all the different, you know, the Italian family eating and stuff. And so, but I did have a mixture also on my mom's side, which eventually was Lutheran and mm-hmm. in some cases not. So uh, Protestantism, you know, so so I, I grew up that way. So that's initially where I, I started out. And uh, we moved to the town of Napa. Okay. And I went to Catholic high school there, etc. Now, what do you get? When we got into the, um, you know, once we get into this, the late 60s and get into the 70s and all that stuff, the world is changing. It was already changing before that, as it was in Europe, too. But in America, we had, the, you know, kind of a revolution in the church itself, mm-hmm. um, partly maybe because of Vatican II, but partially because I think of the culture. Uh, the devil was at, at work in many ways. He wasn't asleep, and uh, not too many people were slow, sober and alert. And so the church was infected, too. So there started to be a lot of that, um, um, you know, confusion, chaos in the church itself for teaching. So uh, uh, so that so that started to infect the church and and uh, and in the schooling, too. So we had to be questioning everything. uh, What the nun said this, the priest said that. uh, I don't know if we need to do that anymore type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a, a radical time. Now, anyone who goes to high school or anything. That's still a difficult time, uh, you know. Late grade school, as you know, yeah. uh, six, eight, seventh, eighth graders. But and then college becomes even more dangerous yeah. because you're really truly away from your family ties. And that happened to me too because mm-hmm. once you go, I think it's a becomes unfortunately it's a typical thing. You it's all about who you hang around with, yeah. who's your peers, yeah. and what involve, what you get involved with. So that kind of happened to me. I lost my way uh, from the faith, started saying, oh, I don't think it's important anymore. Uh, and so I, I didn't practice the, the faith anymore. I wasn't going to the sacraments and, yeah. and things of that nature. And then I got involved, of course, got the bug with theater. Yeah. And uh, once I got into the theater world, well, that's uh, <laughs> not a very religious environment. Yeah. If anybody knows anything about uh, Broadway or Hollywood, I started getting involved in all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, I, do you want me to keep going here? You, well,
2: <laughs> I, no, this is great. I'm wondering, uh, where did the turning point come that kind of brought you back to Christ and the church?
0: Well, I got involved uh, as I was just just to go back just a touch. Sure. I, I got involved very much in the uh, in the theater, started getting more involved in the chaos of it all, and, uh, mm-hmm. and and seeing all kinds of things that most people don't ever see. Yeah. And um, in that world, and then in the midst of all of that, um, I was still searching. My mind was still searching for things, and it was some. Um, it was actually it was, uh, and I've told this story many times. But I had uh, you know a homosexual friend who reached out to me, and he, uh, you know, we worked together as we would with all kinds of different. People who are into every kind of thing that that you can think of today, Um, but uh, he had been—he was—he was was a Catholic. Uh, Most most people in the theater, uh, there, I would say, about twenty-five percent of all people in Hollywood, and um, all have Catholic backgrounds.
2: Wow. Now
0: a lot of them have abandoned the faith, or are angry with the faith, or even reject the faith, or go against it. But um, anyway he reached out to me and for something he saw in me, maybe I, even though I wasn't practicing or anything, some, maybe some dignity or goodness or something. Mm. And he eventually gave me a rosary that mm. he had had as a child. And he says, I don't deserve this, I don't need this. And um, uh, and, and of course he gave it to me and I, I didn't want to take it at first because it was, you know, it was part of his past, part of his history. Uh, So I took it and I put it in the drawer. So anyway, I was, I met a girl, uh, met a lot of girls, you know, all (laughs) in the theater, of course. But one girl was a dancer and she kind of reached out to me and she, I was troubled. I liked her, but then I realized, well, she started sharing more and she had had, uh, you know, she had done drugs. She had had an abortion, uh, you know, a complicated situation for her. So, I was seeing her problems. Then I, I said, well, I want to try to help her. My, my empathy, the compassion started coming out. So I started looking at social programs and what could help her and, and this and that. And, you know, cause there's many different things that could be helpful sure. uh, in terms of that regard. Of course, they didn't have all the resources. Some they don't have, didn't have women's um, places to go like they do today, mm-hmm. uh, where they're reaching out to abuse women and uh, people who have had, um, you know, Rachel's Vineyard didn't exist and yeah. all these different abortion issues. And and uh, so anyway, uh, this is probably shortly after Roe vs. Wade. I guess it was back in the, this would be in the mid-70s, I guess. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I started doing that. And then one day, after many months, I came to back into my drawer and here was this rosary. And I had set the rosary for a long time. And I all of a sudden it came to me, maybe I should pray for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just an instinct came into me. And it's almost because you, you know, have bad habits, you kind of forget how to do things. Right. And, uh, you know, I was picking up the language of the theater and all the every uh, people swearing and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, uh, because you want to fit in, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you're just a robot to other things. So I eventually prayed for her one mm-hmm. Hail Mary. And then what did that do? It created a chain reaction. I started to pray the whole rosary and it mm. slowly, slowly the blessed mother was bringing me home. Mm. And so I remember going into a, uh, you know, I, I started to get like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I went into a church, you know, went into the, I went in there and I went and kind of to the back, you know, I don't want anyone to see there's nobody in the church, but I still kind of hid in the church. Like I'm embarrassed to be there or something. So I went in there and, and all of a sudden, this little boy came in, I'd say maybe about 10 years old, little guy, and well, I you know I kind of slid underneath the of the pew uh, like he didn't want to see me, and then he went right up to the front, and they had an altar rail at that time, and he knelt down, and he stayed there for what I think was about 10 minutes and didn't move. And I was thinking, I kind of came up and said, you know, is that a real boy. I mean, how many 10 year olds don't move
2: for 10 minutes? Uh,
0: Yeah. For 10 minutes, they kind of get the twitches, (laughs) (laughs) they get restless. And then he got up and I might almost, it held my breath almost. I was so riveted to this thing. And then he got up, genuflected and walked out. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was a message to me in a sense that I saw real faith. I saw real presence Maybe it was assigned to me. Maybe it wasn't really. Uh, I mean, there are holy little boys out there sure. yeah. where we pray. <laughs> yeah. But that one was pretty unique. And you don't find too many like that. So who knows? Maybe he's maybe he's a priest today. I have no idea. But anyway, that young boy uh, kind of made me start to be open. And so I slowly started coming back to the church and entered entered the church. Again, entered the sacraments. Of mm-hmm. course when you come back to the church uh, the hardest thing oftentimes is to go to confession. Yeah. That's the hardest thing to be humble and say, okay, yeah. I've got to go to confession and finally uh, bear my soul. And uh, and yet once I did that, then it was released. And then before I knew it, I started to get involved in church activities awesome. uh, in the parish, that parish, and I was going to the theater and everything. So yeah. I started to go to mass. So I had to go to mass and, You know, you couldn't go to all those parties and all those things after the shows because I had to get up (laughs) early. You had to get up early. Yeah. Exactly. So that was kind of my uh, beginnings of uh, coming just back to the church and then just listening, being a presence uh, in the theater with a lot of people Mm -hmm. who were searching, who were were wounded. And uh, like that young man who eventually died of AIDS, who gave me the rosary. And so many people died in, uh, in those circumstances, uh, men and women who had major yeah. problems, you know. So anyway, it was a great it was a great thing for me. And then eventually I go to different theaters. I'm working in mainly Shakespeare festivals. OK, uh, this happened. All of this originally happened at San Diego, where the Old Globe Theater is
1: mm-hmm. in
0: Balboa Park, which is a big theater complex and a famous theater in the United States. So a, a regional theater repertoire. Mm-hmm. So from there, I went to other theaters and I started to slowly become a witness, going to church, um, getting involved in uh, different parish activities, et cetera, as best I could. And then eventually I end up in Ashland, Oregon, where the Oregon Shakespeare Festival is, Mm -hmm. as an actor. And there I get even more involved. I start a like a pro-life little ministry as best I could. There was nothing Mm -hmm. happening there at the parish at the time. And you know, I, I got more involved in you know searching and re. I read a lot, you know, mm-hmm. just reading the Bible and reading uh, documents and and things of the saints and and things of that nature. So that really helped me uh, to explore. And I, I had no idea. Maybe I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm becoming. well, Should I become a priest? Or right? I was kind of confused. You know, should I be an actor? Become a priest? And then uh, and then in nineteen seventy eight. Of course, that's a significant year because that's when Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, came to become Pope. So I happened to be watching another actor's apartment and turned on this little, I think it was a black and white television, I guess. I don't remember now. But uh, there was the Pope. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't have any clue. You know, we thought, well, it's been 400 years with Italians I guess maybe we'll have another five hundred years, I don't know, and all of a sudden, a pope from a communist country comes into the play, yeah. and I think, what is going on here and so i, I was I remember how moving that was, yeah. uh you know, as I got to know uh you know the church more and the, and, the, and the and the you know the holy fathers et cetera and mm-hmm. so um that moved me deeply, and then when I got to know about him mm-hmm. that his past was he was an actor. And he had to decide in his life, should I become an actor or should I become a priest? And he chose to become a priest. So I started really going on a path and that mm-hmm. led me up to eventually Mount Angel Abbey, which a lot of your listeners know about. And at that time, they had a thing called the fort, uh, which is below the, the um, library there, the famous library. That they, they that was built and it's an old building. It's much one of the older buildings on the campus of the of the Abbey, all stone building. And what was happening then was a bunch of monks were uh, doing art. They were doing pottery and they were doing sculpture and they were doing painting and they were doing uh, poetry and, and and different kinds of simple you know the simple arts. But uh, I and so there was an article in the Catholic Sentinel at that time. And I, I read it down in Ashland, Oregon. Of course, I don't have hardly any money. I don't have a car or anything. So I, I took a Greyhound bus. And when I had a break or something from acting, and then I went up, and and one of the monks picked me up in Woodburn. That's the only way you could get to Mount Angel at that time. And uh, he drove me back, and his name was Father Byrne Sanders, Sanderson, mm-hmm. the old guest master. And he became our, he invited me, and all of a sudden I met of uh, these different monks and one of them became a very close friend which is now Abbot Jeremy the oh. head of the monastery and I've known him before he was <laughs> had solemn vows <bowels> and, and <laughs> yeah. ordination and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So we became good friends and that it created a whole movement in me to consider should I what should I do? I mean should I be, become a monk? I was kind of exploring that idea. I was with Dominicans at the time uh yeah. down in um Ashland, Oregon, they were running that, like the Dominicans we have. And it helped kind of, uh, you know, the Holy Rosary helped, in a sense, kind of helped uh, at that time what we call KBVM or Modern Day Radio. Now, help get it kind of kicked off and get it started originally uh, with all the different lay people there and the, and the religious that we had. So that, that got me thinking. And then eventually I started thinking about, I heard about a one-man show the first of our one-man show on the Iliad and I thought oh that's fascinating because I love the kind of the classics how can we I thought our world our people today know nothing about the classics the great books and so I thought the great literature and that's why I love Shakespeare I guess uh and so I wanted to I said well that sounds fascinating and then I found an actor his name is was Sir Alec McAllen a famous actor who did the Gospel of Mark and out of the four gospels that's the shortest gospel now he just did it with a uh you know a sports coat on and a uh you know a shirt and you know of course pants and clothes but he, <laughs> had, he, he did it uh and he had the scriptures near him but he did it as a dramatic reading uh kind of acted it out you know with just the parts and he did it verbatim and so i was fascinated by that wow Isn't that a neat thing? And eventually even goes on to do that kind of an off-Broadway and travel around the United States and did a little bit in England, too. But there was another uh, play that really hit me. It was called Damien on the life of St. Damien. He wasn't a saint then. And uh, a woman playwright from Hawaii wrote it and an actor did it and they filmed it. It was on PBS Hmm. amazing to see something that imagine these things were on pbs at that time i saw that and i was fascinated by it. just one person doing the role and uh, that planted the seed in me how could i do something like that and that's when i um, came up with the idea of doing the gospel of luke uh, because no one had ever done it in the country before and so i undertook that and and that became my first show in fact i made it into uh, two segments i made the, the Gospel of uh, the six the first six chapters okay. of Luke as one program, and then I eventually will do the Passion of Luke. And I tr- started traveling throughout all of Oregon, so that's why I know uh, so much about all the parishes. I went to the littlest villages, tiniest. Uh, if anybody knows where Bonanza, um, uh, Oregon is, then you do
2: not. I'm sorry.
0: You're pretty smart. <laughs> You, you know your geography really well but all the coasts you know the coast yeah. we did all the all the places and the little churches and from tiny things to little we went to the cathedral uh so we went to churches and halls and we went to uh you know so many convents and places yeah. and then eventually we spread to washington and then eventually that, that leads us to california and, uh, and then i start performing for all kinds of places and if it, it was also in this regard, I mean, Mother Teresa comes into the picture, because
1: hmm.
0: when I first start this, actually, I started, you know, I was thinking of the play and how I'm going to do it, and and I'm going to create this thing on the Gospel book, and so I'm just this foolish guy. I I write her. Yeah. And what happens? She writes me back, this little two-bit actor in Ashland, Oregon, at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I got a letter from Mother Teresa. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> open it up. And she, her famous line, but she did to give me pointers of what to do. She wanted me to do it all for, for, for the poor for free. Mm. And uh, I said, Oh, I can do that. I'm not married or have nothing. I can, I can live off, you know, spam and macaroni or something. And so I, I took her and she said, I want you to do something beautiful for God. Do this for God. And so I did. And so we started doing this, I mean, we did it for the, I, I did it for the, at that time we did it, we did it for, we have the homeless now in Portland, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, back then there was a whole, the Blanche house downtown, the, the the main poor at that time in Portland were what we call old town, you know, the Burnside area. And, uh, and so that was the main, so we did it for all these different people for, who are po- truly poor, what we call the homeless today that came in. And we did it for rest homes. We did it for, and eventually I'll expand that to cloistered monasteries. Um, You know, that maybe I'm the first to ever do that in the country. But I started doing that. Started in Seattle, and then I went up to British Columbia. Became close to the Carmelites there in Washington, and then the Poor Clares in Canada. And then that would eventually lead me on a journey throughout not just Canada and, and America, but to Europe yeah I had good performances there, too. So
2: what you've described here so wonderfully is this you used the language earlier of this chain reaction, this spiritual chain reaction. And I feel like it culminated with that note from Mother Teresa just to do something beautiful for God. and to be able to see these these passions of yours, the for the arts, for acting, but also for your faith, and to see them come together. Is 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 great to hear because there? I know that there are those among our listeners who are wondering how to bring together their interests, their work, their hobbies, their passion, and merge that with their faith. So I think it's great to hear that. Where we we've got just a, a moment left, I, I would love to direct our listeners to where they can learn more about uh, what you're doing, but also maybe upcoming shows and projects. Where would we send them?
0: Well, we want to send them to our website, St. Okay. Luke Productions. Dot com. That's easy to find. And also, you know, uh, we have our movie that we're building right now, Heart of Mercy on the life of Divine Mercy, St. Faustina. Uh, but that's the main place to go, okay. and for, especially for the listeners of um, who are not aware of who we are, because yeah. uh, we've been doing this for 42 years, uh, primarily plays. We, our plays right now are going all over the country. We have a play on the first black priest in the history of the United States called Father Tolton. It's called Tolton, From Slave to Priest, and that's having a huge effect. It's been in Portland before, uh, but it's, it's you know, it's just got back from Atlanta. Now it's in Austin, Texas, and now it's going to Dallas. And then, uh, you know, it eventually, of all places, going kind to of come back to Northwest and go to the Tri-Cities. I'm so proud because all these priests and laity are on fire to have this. About this first black priest, when I try to go to a city, sometimes they're like, I don't want this. You know, I'm not interested in that. And that all comes from the church, a lot of church leaders, you know, because we're always having to evangelize our yeah. priests, yeah. our religious, our laity, because a lot of them uh, don't always connect with the saints, yeah. um, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but so many do, obviously. Uh, we wouldn't be alive today. <laughs> the church is still going. But uh, we always have those things, as you, we talked earlier. About. Uh, so anyway, we're doing mainly to get in touch with us. You can help so, Portis were nonprofit, uh, you know, just like uh, uh, Modern Day Radio, but and Modern Day Radio has helped us for many years that way too, and we help them raise money to also. But uh, you know, that's how we support. That's how those plays are made. Uh, we make films too, but our main goal is live because mm, mm-hmm. we believe that. And that's where the radio, this interview or other interviews, they're they're a second step away, but when you're in the actual presence of the power of the word mm-hmm. in a live situation. You know, do you want to listen to the mass on, on the radio or do you want to go live to the mass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same thing with, you want to see Jesus on television? Would you like to meet him face to face? So that's what we do. We try to create an experience where they feel, people feel, uh, you know, that they are actually meeting the saint and the uh, actor portraying can look right into the eyes of that person sitting in the front row the back row or the middle row, and they feel like that saint's talking to them. so we we feel that power of that proclamation. It's almost uh, I would say it's almost incarnational because mm-hmm. if we want to say the word becomes flesh and mm-hmm. dwells among us.
2: oh what, what a beautiful mission to be able to to bring people into the, the, the presence of, of a saint. Um, in the sense of being able to tell their story. But ultimately, as you say, we want to bring people um, in the presence of Christ, the Word made flesh. So, Leonardo, thank you for all that you're doing to participate in this mission of evangelization. I would ask that God continue to bless you, your family, and the the wonderful work you're doing to build up the kingdom. Thank you.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. And God bless you for all your hard work.
2: Thank you for joining me this week for another conversation on how we can be inspired to share the gospel with creativity and compassion. I pray that you have an opportunity in the coming days to both receive the word of God, but also to share it. So be open for those moments. And together, let's say yes to what God wants to do in us and through us. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to reflect on the church's evangelizing mission. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all.
1: You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app.